So, like, take off to the great white north. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Take off, you hosers. I am the fountain of affection. I'm the instrument of joy. To keep the good times rolling. I'm the boy, I'm the boy. You know the world could be our oyster. You just put your trust in me. Cause we'll keep the good times rolling. Wait and see, wait and see. Oh, wait and see. Hey guys, welcome back to Hosers. This is episode 89. I'm your host, Chris Killingsworth. And joining me as always is my co-host, Thomas Williams. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing great, Christopher. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's good. I'm just hanging out, you know, uh, not doing too much, you know, like enjoying the steady and kind of outbreak of news. Like it's gotten really busy, really yeah. fast. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been hectic and fun and it's going to be a lot of late nights of doing shit, but whatever. It's, it's pretty chill, you know, just thumbs up, thumbs uh, out, fingers out. Uh, you know how you say nails out. Yeah. Toes out. That old adage. Yeah. 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 To- toes um, out summer. Are you always weird when people ask how you are? Like, do you normally answer questions oh like that? Because I don't know how I don't know how to answer. I'm trying to find video. Yeah, the, <laughs> they, uh, when when Thomas actually when when Thomas goes into work at the church, they're like, uh, "All right, uh, that that's a wrap for this morning's little uh, little debrief." Does anybody have any questions? And Tom's like, uh, "Yeah, do any of these uh, fuckers ever pop out of the fucking ceiling?" He can't do that. That that's a tough one. It's like, but you said we could swear. Yeah, uh, I thought this was a I I thought this was a cool church, and you said we could say whatever the hell we want. Yeah. And somewhere along the lines, our signals got crossed. <laughs> I never whatever want you to have the worst day at work of all time. <laughs> but uh, does does Jesus so- ever pop down out of the fucking ceiling? okay whatever you're about to say is going to send you straight to he double hockey sticks no all i'm saying Uh, is that uh, yeah all i'm saying is that i don't know how to say answer because i didn't think of it beforehand we just started recording and i was like oh i don't know what like it's been a very weird afternoon i'd love to see you in a job interview for that reason alone i'm prepared though like okay all all right i prepare like I over-prepare for stuff that matters. Like when I, not to drop any fucking things, but when I interviewed and like gave some player interviews and stuff and was like asking questions when I was down in Florida, um, I was like over-prepared for that shit. Sometimes my brain just doesn't fucking work like that. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. All right, that's fine. We'll give this. Yeah, Chris. We'll give it to you. Um, I got, I can't discriminate because I'm also drinking an orange drink right now. This is orange Gatorade. You've got a little bubbly going Carter Lupel in Minden, Ontario. What are you sipping on tonight, bro? All right. All right. (laughs) 
There's nothing. Oh, I like, like it. Phil just walked away from his phone and didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. It. I I, met, I couldn't. <laughs> sorry. Hey, guys. Hello? Hey, bud. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so I couldn't find my Air, AirPods. And I, so I'm using my, like, running headphones, my Jabra's. And I pushed mute on the phone. And then I went to go unmute it. But it was muted on my headphones. It's a stupid Android technology. Anyone who's an Android that listens to this show needs to unsubscribe now. <laughs> yeah, that's so fair. Chris would agree. But, oh my that's God. fair. Um, Listen, I'm in... We're on Spotify. I, we're on I'm, Spotify. Sipping, I'm sipping on Sneaky Weasel, though. It's, uh, it's a lager from Alberta. It's delicious. I'm sitting in the boat Even with the dog. Even if it wasn't? I'm not terribly confident that I could call you out and be like, there's no such thing as sneaky weasel. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> Actually, the thing with a lot great. of craft beers. No, it's you guys need to get on it. I like Cooper turned me on it and it's it's cheaper than Miller and it's like the most like awesome smooth beer. And this episode is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel. <laughs> we should get a sponsor. Sneaky Weasel is actually uh, my rap name. So. <laughs> so, we, how long yet the cottage for Cardi? Um, I think we're just gonna stay until the weekend, and then because we still don't have the uh, the the final go in the boathouse, so we're just gonna lay out the excuse me the construction site, then go hang out at home. We've been neglecting home, <laughs> so we're gonna go see how the house is doing uh, back yeah. there, and then come back once we have the, the approval. Um, hopefully next week and start building. There you go. Oh, yeah. And if no one wa- and if no one follows us on Twitter, uh, Carter bought a boat. I don't think. Oh, yeah. have, we, actually, have we I'm talked about it right now? I'm sitting on the boat with the dogs right now because it's the only quiet place up here, <laughs> away from my big That's family the move, in the boat. That's the move. Oh, God. Have you like put it on the water at all? Or oh yeah, I opened her right up. Oh. She, she goes, she moves. I'm like sitting on it. It's in the water. That's Wait, so like you're in, the, you're in the water right now? Like it's not on the dock? Yeah. No, like what I'm it, in the water right now. Like, yeah. Thomas, like I don't know how boat, in the water. I don't know how boats work, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So wait, you're in the boat right now? Uh, this is like yeah, on, that's uh, what I just said. I'm a city on boy. Brothers, when he's like, Robert, have you ever fished for bonita he's like are they big and he's like uh they're what you call a trophy fish so yeah they're pretty big <laughs> so yeah <laughs> they're pretty big <laughs> and then someone's like what's this guy's deal <laughs> Whatever, guys. that's exactly I, what it's like <laughs> i'm just glad to be the punching bag of this podcast you know just the uh just, the victim got it it feels good to not be at the end of it for once Oh my god! Just ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. I'm here to. I'm here to laugh at. I'm just a jester. You're not That's a it. well. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Sitting on it right now with the dog, sipping on a sneaky weasel, catching the last little bit of sun, watching Cooper, Cooper just Cooper just came and started peeing on the floaties. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. Yeah. Um. That's sweet, man. I'm glad you're having fun, and I'm glad the the boat's serving its purpose, which is good. Good spot to chill. Um, yeah, man. 
should we uh, should we get into some hockey talk here, boys? Probably. Yeah, lots right? lots happened since the last time we recorded, which was recently. This is yeah, Libra, right? I know. so frequent. I know. Well, you know, a lot of people listen for the consistency of how often we record. That's what I've always said. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, so, so you're I guess trying to reinvent the wheel. That's right. That's right. Should we start with, because uh, it happened shortly after we recorded last week, uh, a pretty significant move uh, with Duncan Keith getting traded from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah. I mean, we have to talk about that. Do you want to do you want to start, Thomas, kind of your thoughts, what what worked here, what didn't work here? And, and we'll kind of move through it. Uh, yeah, sorry. Excuse go over me. the trade because it wasn't just it wasn't just Keith for Jones. Maybe break down the trade. Yeah, so it was Keith Jones and then uh, a third. Yeah, a third. Yeah, and then there's uh, one a other third. one other guy from Chicago. Oh yeah, so it's just to make the contracts worth worth. Yeah, yeah. Tim Soderlund. Um, yeah, yeah, he's like nothing. But uh, yeah, so like, so yeah, Jones and a third for Keith and Soderlund, which is pretty much how it breaks down. Um, and the biggest, the, the third's all conditional as well, right? Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want me to give you the conditions on the third? Because I got it. Yeah, sure. I know people the are Oilers, dying for it. I know they're like, but what are the conditions? <laughs> Sorry, boys. I'm trying to be more prepared for this show and prompting conversation and no, be more engaging to my listeners. It's true. He's right. <laughs> Uh, the yeah. conditions are if the Oilers make it to the 2022 Stanley Cup Finals, LMFAO, and yeah. Keith is top four in playoff time on ice during the first three rounds, the pick upgrades to a second round pick. Okay, so it's not happening. Okay. You're say it right <laughs> to the start. That's why I wanted you guys to say it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's not. The happening. conditions um, are kind of wild, though. I didn't realize the time on ice condition it's not even it's top four of like all players like all skaters that's it just says is top four in playoff yeah during the first three rounds doesn't say anything specific to that that's crazy yeah it sounds like nike's pissed off about it too yeah Yeah, nike doesn't like that fern's just hanging out fern's just literally sleeping on the bed so she's she's not part um she goes boo yeah, um, but no, the trade's weird. Like we talked about it a little bit last week, I think. Like just like when it was reported, like this might happen. Yeah, like, Keith to the Oilers was like a probability. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It's so fucking weird to like pay assets to get Duncan Keith and not even like get a discount on like his two years at five and a half. Mm-hmm. Like the the messed up thing is like two years still. I I would get if it's like. One year, Duncan Keith, if he was still like 37 or whatever, but it's like this, you are paying for someone that is going to not make your team any better and basically just paying for experience. And this has probably been talked about like at length at other shows and blogs and columns and whatever, but it's just such like an asinine backwards thing that the Oilers keep on doing. It's like just anchoring McDavid and Drysaddle with these duds of players and players that like you're obsessed with that have had former glory. Like even, even them going out and like 
well, obviously Chris Russell's one thing, but like, I don't know, someone like called her. So like, oh, might as well try this again. But like, and they gave him like a substantial amount. It wasn't like a one year like league minimum like type of deal. It was a multi-year, like it was three years initially. But it's like right. he didn't show that he was like any of the player that he was in Ottawa while he was in Nashville. So like, why would you even like fathom trying like actually giving him a substantial amount of money? It's just like it's just this backwards like way of team building that I think the Oilers are just obsessed with. Like it's just it's just this way that like it might have worked when there was no cap and there was no like and and the game was normally slower and stuff. But it's yeah. just so it's so fucking weird. It's just so like you could have got someone that would have done the exact same Keith and more for literally league minimum. There's players out there that will do that for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's my thought. All right, Carter, what do you have, bro? Um, Thomas might not like it, <laughs> but <laughs> let's preface this by uh, saying Carter and I talked about this trade for like a half an hour at the dog park yesterday, but go ahead, Carter. Yeah, I'm going to start by saying no offense, Tom, no. <laughs> um, or with all due respect, with all due respect. But uh, no, I, I think it's like it's, it is like kind of fun. like because he's coming off of like, like when the hell do people ever sign 13 year deals like, like anymore? He's like just coming off of the, like the tail end of a, a 13 year deal, which is monstrous. So from, from like a, a contracting cap perspective, like it is kind of fucked for Edmonton to pick that up because they're going to have to, I don't know what they're going to do to like manage that properly throughout the season, right? Because they have to also maintain McDavid um, and Dreisaitl, right? And so I think like to Thomas's point, I agree they could get somebody um, who's up on that effective scale for significantly less money. Um, So from that standpoint, I don't, like, I don't agree with the trade, um, but um, I think Keith, like, it's, yeah, he's old, and yeah, he's he has some faded glory, like, tacked to his name, but he's, uh, like, whether you want to admit it or not, Thomas, he's he's a Hall of Famer, like, he's he's got cups, he's still playing 27 to 30 minutes a night, like, he's still leading like the Blackhawks he's still effective so if you put him in a role where he's not playing like 30 minutes an evening and he's like playing in the the low 20s maybe mid 20s at the highest he might be more of an effective defenseman that we've seen than we've seen out of him the past uh, couple of years um and so maybe like yeah like the veteranship we're starting to learn like means something but doesn't mean as much as it used to in the game um, so like, it's tough to say what you can tack to that, but I think it's a, a, a great move. And with how vocal Seth and Corey Jones have been about talking to each other, you wonder what, uh, type of move this is, whether Chicago tries to anchor something from Columbus or vice versa, um, to try and get those boys playing together. So I think it was a good strategy play, um, on that end, just to try and pull something from Columbus or send something Columbus's way. Um, that we might see this summer if these boys keep talking about playing together. But I, I like the trade. I like the, the blue line was one that we saw this playoffs that was overworked and Nurse was f- fatigued trying to take it all on himself. Um, and so I, I think it might actually 
show some good for the Oilers, seeing a blue liner like that come to their system. Yeah. Thomas, do you have a rebuttal? (laughs) I like, I like it. I like the intangibles. Like if you could factor just like, Oh, he's won cups. He's like experienced so much like playing with like all stars and stuff and all this stuff. But like, if you could put that into a value, sure. But when he's not bringing anything. I'm not talking about that. Like I was saying like the veteranship, like, you don't like it's the veteranship has lost its value in today's NHL because it favors a faster, like higher skilled yeah. type play. Like um, I wouldn't I would be. Say, like, no, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I was just saying he's like a, he's like a, an old school, like he's not as like lateral as he used to be, but he's a, like a dependable defenseman if you don't overwork him, which he has been it's, over the years. It's tough. Cause I don't know. He's so, he is, probably the league's worst defenseman on defense like this past season. So of course, like, and and playing so much could have an effect, but I don't think lowering his minutes has such an effect that he becomes like above replacement level kind of thing. I, Oh, if you take, if you take 10 minutes off of a game, that's insane what that does to a player though. Right. Like it, but it's relative though. Like if it's like, if you're comparing that to like, what Caleb Jones would do like as a, as yeah. a 24 year old, like, um, uh, yeah, I get that. So if you compare that and you traded him away and you gave like a good, a decently good pick. Yeah. And like, so I don't know, like the, I get it was that. Also, like, I mean, it was also a gentle, it was a gentleman's move as well though. Like as much as I don't like the old boys club of the NHL and like, like kind of how old world, like the, like the organization of the NHL is, it was a gentleman's move to get him closer to his family for the tail end of the yeah. Career, right? But also, like you should, if I'm Ken Holland, I am saying Duncan Keith will only accept a deal to Western Canada, and it's basically become only Edmonton or Seattle. So I'm gonna lower yeah. the price basically to like a fifth round pick, and you'd be happy with that return, yeah, because you yeah. are handcuffed to just two teams. It's basically yeah. what OEL yeah. did. He said Vancouver or Boston, and that's it. And then they didn't trade him because they couldn't find a, a, a package that worked. So it's yeah, just like, no, for sure. It's, it, I get it from an off ice and a locker room and a veteranship. Like, if I was McDavid, I would kind of be psyched playing with such like a leader on the back end. Like, just like, a, yeah. like it'd be kind of nice to have him just be and around. Maybe that's it, just to keep McDavid so, happy because you can see his fatigue and his like, mental exhaust as well right? oh my god sorry something just came through uh speaking of really old defensemen on really long contracts uh the montreal canadians will not be protecting shea weber in the expansion draft no one's Whoa. gonna touch shea weber i know no one's gonna touch that contract but it's kind of fun no yeah that like, contract's so I, fucking bad. no it's brutal and that's that's the thing with like with keith as well like seattle's not going to take the tail end of a 13-year contract where like it's it's what, what was the what was the dispersion on it was he like 60 percent at the last few years of his contract sorry i'm just reading more apparently it's the weber is thing is because if it's because of injury that could keep him out for the entire season yeah but for also next no, season? Like, no one's gonna for next season 
Weber's out for the rent for next season. Yeah. Well, I think that's all just, I think that might all just because, be to, because to play the chess so, game for protecting assets. Well, no, like they, so the NHL released a list of certain players that didn't need protection because of how injured they were. Like Eric Johnson right. in Colorado. Yeah, I think Brendan Saad was one of them or something. Yeah. Spiza, whatever. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think Weber's going on that. List. list and Sarah Valley's reporting that he's going to be out that could keep him out for the entire season. Which yeah, but we saw this, with, this season, but we saw this with Vegas. So it was to it was to like it was to protect more assets than not. Like they went on the long term IR, yeah, and then we saw them within the month, oh, right? Yeah, but it, it's yeah, it's strategic. But you need right? to provide so you that, need to provide medical records for all that shit. You but can't just can. say this they, player is injured. You can throw shit on a wall and like come back with anything like after the playoffs. Like you you every day you hear about somebody with a new injury that okay. they're playing through. Like okay. And you, well, literally the sportsnet headline that Freeman just wrote said Canadian Shea Weber's career threatened by lingering oh, really? ankle problems. Yeah, he literally oh, okay. This isn't new information on Shea Weber, though. They no, were he's, he's been fucking banged last up. Last year, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't mean But not that, that his, like, career just, is not, not like, the most inside of inside person saying, oh, he might just literally retire. No, no, yeah. I know. But remember they said that at the beginning of, like, last season or the season before that, that his ankle is absolutely fucked. Oh, like, yeah. he's got a, well, he, he's got the Chris he was gonna retire in, ankle syndrome. Yeah, he was going to retire for, uh, in Nashville. And then he got traded to the Canadians, like I oh and then yeah. like he was going to retire then because of all that shit yeah. right I think um, this is the type of strategy that we're going to see though right where like you've got players that are looking or you know that that are willing excuse me to waive their no move clause because that's the other thing you can't be protected if you've got some of those excuse me clauses on your contract so like I was just yeah. reading before we started a very similar kind of situations happening with Jeff Skinner. Right. And that's the thing, yeah. like strategically, they, he, they probably anticipate he, that like, so these Skinner's, people aren't going to necessarily be selected. Right. Skinner's different. Skinner's, Skinner's wave, waving. Is Skinner's waving, waving move, it. Right. Yeah. Skinner's waving yeah, it. Like, no, I know. That's what I mean. He's waving it so that they can put him on the list of people that aren't protected kind of yeah. knowing that he won't get picked like yeah. i feel very yeah. similarly about like ryan johansson in, in nashville like kind of a similar yeah. situation he's a good player well, he's not a good too. player at eight million a year yeah duchene yeah. i think honestly just needs a bit of a change of scenery right like he was so good so in funny. columbus i wonder if that yeah. ends up materializing at some point but anyhow it's yeah, oh it's just kind of crazy. I, I, I wouldn't be at. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if um if uh, we see Tampa uh do something like that because how vocal um what's his name has been about keeping his same squad. And I wonder if he puts like Kalorin and Hedman and Kucherov and all those guys on the long term IR, um, just so he can protect some of those like high producing assets that like dry, that pulled them through this past playoff. Yeah. yeah. This exactly. is this is so this is so weird. Yeah. No, I, I, the Weber thing is like I knew they weren't protecting Weber, 
but I didn't know about the injuries. Like, obviously I knew he was, he has ankle issues, but I didn't know it was like that bad that I just thought, I just thought they strategically, cause they had a press release and they asked him like, what, how he feels about not being protected. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. And so uh, it, I was like, yeah, no one's going to touch the contract. No one's going to take like an overager. No one's going to like, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a high risk, low reward for Seattle to pick on. You know what I mean? So I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was going to be protected in the first place. And now I had no idea about his injuries, like to being this extent, Thomas. Yeah. So if he retires this summer, mm-hmm. uh, then because he signed the deal with Nashville, the Predators are under, are going to have a cap recapture penalty of 4.9 million through 2025-26. Oh my God. So they're just gonna have five million on the books, just dead cap, and we're gonna talk about dead cap later because my team's kind of fucked up. But uh, yeah, so how many seasons is that? Because I can't do math right now. Five uh, or four yeah. seasons. Four, four more seasons. seasons. Four seasons of five million, basically. That's tough. But that's if he wow. retires this season. That's like I don't think he's gonna retire. He might be like on the IR for the entire season or something. Just be like I might be back, but uh, yeah, so. Okay. If he retires the following season, is that clause waived or is it? It's no, it's still, it, it's le- the cap recaptures like lessened, but it, no matter what, the Preds are going to be dinged if he retires before the before 25, the 26. Done. Yeah, before the contract's wow. done, which is That's inevitable. Insane. Like he can't just be on the IR for like forever because also then it's kind of yeah. unfair with Montreal because then in the offseason, they can't really add anyone because. He has what seven point nine million cap space. Wow! And like in the off season, he can't go on LTIR. So because he's, he's like, thirty five, they gave him a contract until he's forty. Holy shit! So it was actually That's the Flyers. Insane. It was the Flyers that gave him an offer sheet, and then Nashville matched it. So wow. he, this could have been on the Flyers. <laughs> Just <for laughs> yeah, sounds about Absolutely. right. Yeah, Flyers would so. have him in the gritty suit. <laughs> just so they wouldn't lose the cap hit. They're like, technically he's not retired. Oh he's still God. skating. He looks a little crazy. different, but he's skating. Yeah, oh I don't know God. what to make. I don't know what to make of this because it could be like, it's just like a thing, like kind of like marrying Hosa, where he's on the IR, but he has more years left than Hosa did, so it's weird. Like, yeah, and, and then, yeah, it's it's awkward. I don't know. This is crazy. This know. is like There's the Gretzky part. tree. This is this is like the Gretzky tree. It stretches so far and wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I I'm kind of in this boat with um with some of these guys. Like you know, I'm thinking right now of like we'll use Shea Weber in this instance because of injuries. Where like you almost just hope that they get what they need, right? Like if yeah. they yeah, if sure. they can't play any longer, like. You know, Shea Weber's like in his late 30s. You know, we saw Pecorine um, retire recently. And I know sometimes people look at retirement and it's happening like unceremoniously. And, you know, there's no big exciting thing. You know, sure, it would have been great if if Shea Weber was to win the Stanley Cup this year with Montreal and, and then call it a career. I would say surely that would be the opportunity for that to happen. But, like, we also got to think, like, these people are human. They want to have lives after hockey. But, like, 
You also don't want to retire when you have that much money on the books. You're probably better to go to Robodaw Island. Uh, it's a beautiful state. You'll love the views. Um, you know, like you're probably better to do that, go on LTIR, still get paid or at least, you know, a portion of your salary, however that all plays yeah. out when it's all said and done, uh, then, you know what I mean? Continue to just beat the shit out yeah. of yourself and not be, well, I, you know, almost be a shadow of yourself. Right. Well, I, I think players like, like Pecorine, I think he's like a really good example of like players finding the opportune moment. Like it wasn't unceremonious. Like it was like there was no ceremony to his retirement, but he was a UFA at the end of the season and he's doing his retirement at a time where it's at the lowest, like lowest risk for, yeah, for like his team and his organization. And you've got, I, f- I forget his name, but you've got an up and comer in Nashville who, needs to see more ice and he'll never see more ice while Renee's still Bro. there. Bro, yeah, yeah well, he never... can't... And David he can't really see the ice because he's so short. That's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so but, I have the, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying it's like, it's, I think that's the, like the, it seems like unceremonious, but a lot of these players do retire at an opportune moment. So they don't kind of, over like the organization that they've kind of devoted themselves to right yeah like it so and so yeah yeah wait i don't know what the fuck i'm so confused uh we know oh okay sorry yes yeah yeah okay so if you're retired sorry i'm seeing like the cap recapture stuff um it's so confusing because with the cba changed only a limited amount of contracts basically has this flaw and the way yeah. that it's dealt pseudo and were one of them so that's why kind of that's it we'll touch on it later we'll touch on the buyouts but um there's only five contracts now with crosby's jeff carter duncan keith jonathan quick and shea weber if they will have a uh, recapture penalty if they retire before their contract is up um right yeah. so how shea weber's is um kind of formatted this is brought to you by On the Four Check, the National Predators uh, SB Nation blog. Um, SB Nation, baby. Yeah. Uh, so if you're retired this season, it's 4.9, like Elliot said. If you're retired next season, it's 6.14 for four seasons. Wow. If you're retired the next year, in 2023, it's 8.1 million oh, so for they three. Trunc- they truncate it, so it's the yeah. same amount. Yeah, so wow. for three seasons, and then it's 12.2 for two seasons, and then it's 24.5 for a season if he retires at 2025. If he retires at one year remaining. Over a quarter of the cap hit. Yeah, like a third of it. Wow. Because the flat cap is still probably going to happen by then. Like 24 million. So he might just retire, just be like, or he might retire next year because it's 6.1 for four years. But like, imagine seeing Nashville. That's fucking like, yeah, Nashville's fucked, and like they're just like rebuilding too, and now they have like <laughs> they're all... they're gonna fold. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be like, they're I don't gonna, know how to they pay can't this eat money. That. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, wow. that's that's tough, man. Like, 
And that's the thing too, right? Like I, I want to kind of get my thoughts out in the open here on the, the Duncan Keith trade, not to go back yeah, in time. Yeah. But oh, sorry about that, Chris. It's breaking news. It's breaking news. No, no, sorry. no. It's cool. It's cool. No, no, no. Don't even worry about it. I just think, um, and, and I mean, we can use Shea Weber as an example here too, because although they're different players, I think they bring similar intangibles, right? And I think, you know, when these types of things happen, and I, I don't know if there's really a ton that we need to say on Peter, uh, Peter, Pierre Maguire getting signed um, and, and working with uh, the Ottawa Senators and whatever capacity president of hockey operations or whatever he's doing. Um, it's, it's interesting to me because I think like what the public, what the public sphere values in terms of players and intangibles and, you know, perception around analytics over eye test or, you know, somebody like Pierre Maguire, who could probably go toe to toe against uh, Chris Killingsworth on where a player played junior. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, I don't necessarily think that people really recognize like what is valued in players and what is valued in you know, who they are as people and what they bring to the table, right? So like, for example, I looked at Edmonton's depth chart when this happened and I was like, okay, who is the person that he's stopping, right? And I think what's a bit underreported or maybe not talked about as much is like, you got a guy like William Lagason, who's a player for Bakersfield, who should be playing on the Oilers. He's, uh, he... I don't wouldn't say he's like a stay-at-home defenseman, but he like absolutely crushes guys. Like he he has the physical presence that the Oilers could use on that back end, and he just cannot get into the lineup because of their current depth situation. But like a lot of people don't realize that Clefbaum is probably not playing next year, and he's making like four and a half million, I want to say. So even if you were to put Duncan Keith as as the the four uh, or the three, I guess on that on that uh, back end, it's, it's not completely egregious, right? There's only a few yeah. years left. The, the cap is probably going to be a wash. And I have, I have to wonder, like, does Ken Holland make this trade and think about players like Duncan Keith, players like Shea Weber, and, and, and really look at their history and say, like, you know, at one point, these guys, like Duncan Keith was the best defenseman in the league in those early cup years with Chicago, right? Shea Weber yeah. at one point in his career was a top five defenseman. Like when him and uh, and Ryan Suter, which is hilarious because I know we're going to oh, talk wow. about him <laughs> shortly as well. When they were both playing in Nashville, they were unstoppable, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, I see a lot of people in this like fucking group think uh, and Thomas, like, I'm not taking this out on you. I'm just kind of calling it kind of how I feel. Um, so please don't think I'm coming after you because I'm not. But it's like, there's sometimes this like fucking group think on hockey Twitter where it's like, oh, this deal is so bad. I can't believe it. You know, like I'm, I'm reading, you know, Copper and Blue, like our SB Nation Oilers uh, blog, like retweeting all this fucking nonsense. And I'm like, you guys are still getting Duncan Keith. I know that we're not necessarily <laughs> looking at his resume and being like, oh yeah, you know, he hasn't been as good in the last couple of years, which is true. But like, you know, when you're 23, when you're 38, things aren't the same as they were. 
when you're 23 or 24, right? Like it's not always going to work out. Um, and, and I'm not defending the move in the sense that like, I'm not going to like, listen, Duncan, Duncan Keith is not the hill that I'm, I'm hoping to die on. I already died on yeah. one hill this week and made Minnesota wild fans uh, angry at me, uh, which Thomas and I can talk about in a little bit, but like, I, 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 I know that there are educated people that have opinions on this. And I would say the three of us are beyond just like normal hockey fans. Like we watch it all day long. We talk about it. We write about it, et cetera. But for some people to just come out of the woodwork and be like, why the fuck would we want Duncan Keith? This is a terrible trade. It's going to set our issue, you know, our, our team back all these years. No, 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 no. Your goaltending is setting your team back all these years. Yeah. Right. And my it's, last it's, point it's on no this Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Here you go. No, just let me get this one out because I, I yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> a thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and then I'll stop my rant. But you remember when I was saying that I felt that the Oilers were going to continuously have trouble being successful because they didn't have leadership and that I didn't yeah. feel that Connor McDavid was the captain that was going to get them to where they needed to go. I understand yeah. that that's a spicy take. But Duncan Keith is exactly the type of guy that you bring in to help insulate the leadership core on this team so that when things aren't going, or, you know, things aren't going right and McDavid goes boo-boo face on the bench, you've got someone who's been there that can show him how to be a good leader. And yes, I understand oh, sure. I sound like I'm a hundred, but there's, there's an element here that is not just as simple as what the cap space is. And, and Thomas, I recognize what you're saying about him, you know, being replacement level, if not worse uh, at points. And I know a lot of people look at it and be like, oh, this is just like Andrew Ferentz 2.0. Like Duncan Keith was a far better defenseman in his peak than Andrew Ferentz was. Like, I don't even see that comparison aside from the, the somewhat similar style they play and then being a little bit older, being brought in um, to be a leader on the team. So anyways, yeah. that's that's just where I'm at. I think it's a great trade. Um, obviously, I think Chicago gets one step closer to re, you know, to kind of getting the Jones brothers to play together, which is like a cool narrative. And like, I love that. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. Um, you know, there's no, obviously you... value. That organization you hit the nail on the head. Thomas, like you, are you, mad? you haven't said with... much. No, no, no. I'm, I was just listening and I was looking up Weber stuff. So I'm wrong. So I have to make a correction about that. Some people are probably like, yelling at this room. But uh, anyways. Okay. Um, um, no, yeah, okay, I do. We talked it. Sorry. You guys are going to have to fight. No, no. no, go ahead. No, no. We just, we talked about McDavid's leadership styles, the type that like, fosters like individual recognition over like uh like group co cohesion and like we saw when chicago went back to back they put they were an unstoppable um like they're an unstoppable set of four lines like from top to bottom right because they bought into the system and i i, I think you nailed it chris to that point it's and what we were talking about just 20 minutes prior making mcdavid happy you know, like it's the same thing as bringing in a Felino to the Leafs or bringing in a Perry to the, or, or even a stall, because Perry's league minimum stall to the Canadians. 
like you can tell noticeably that their that their game has slowed and uh taken a huge hit since their prime like they're not as fast they're not as responsive but there's like you guys are saying those intangible things that they bring to the organization and the team and the bench and more specifically the last few minutes of the third period right and it's, yeah um, i think i think i think you hit the nail on the head chris it's it's not a move for anyone but to steer the leadership i think that's i never thought about that before i just thought it was great to have like a uh, a defenseman who uh, once was, like you said, the best in the league, and like that doesn't go away. That slows down a bit, but that doesn't go away. You know what I mean? And yeah, like you're. It's funny because the the mind, the mind wants what the body can't have, right? And it's when you're on the ice, the mind knows what the body can't do. And like I I I've slowed down so much over the years, and so I can't imagine what these guys like getting beaten up year after year, like experience in regard to fatigue and, um, and losing, losing their edge. Right. But I, yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's just, it's, it's not a anything, but to steer the leadership and the add like a, or to introduce like a paradigm shift to the culture of how things are, how things are directed in, in Edmonton. Right. Thomas, where are you at buddy? I think, Maybe with these trades, I focus a lot on the value of cap space and the value of what player you're getting yeah. and the value of what you're giving up to get that player. Um, I don't know. It's I think it's a gray area too. Like we'll have to see how he. I think it's just a wait and see thing. Like how he performs in Edmonton, because like I said, I'm sure like yeah. he like behind the scenes it'll be great to have him there, but it's also like it just sucks that you had to pay assets for him too. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But if you I'm think sure. of guys that leave to go find successes, like Felino was struggling in, in, um, in Columbus and he seems to be having a great time and fitting in and playing his role perfectly in Toronto. And you saw Kessel struggling on that wing in, in Toronto. And even though he's with an organization that's not, winning he's a he's a producing winger now like he and even like he saw struggling in buffalo and coming to a team that had a cinderella run right like it's maybe the move and the the change of scenery is what these guys need after putting in such a long long stay with these organizations right i don't know it's it's tough to say because also like i think fully like downgraded going to toronto even in a lesser role yeah, I think he played poorer than he did while he was in Columbus, and then, but that might have been injured. because well, he, he had he had to be a leader in Columbus, where he was able to play his style of hockey in Toronto, right? Like it, yeah. I it, think it's, it's apples and oranges to compare. Yeah. I think, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so I have to make a correction about the Weber thing. So that was under the old CBA, the numbers. The new CBA made it that. Cap recapture, uh, it can't go above their current cap hit. So Weber's at 7.857. So even if he retires in that last year, where it normally would have been 24 million in one year, it'll be 7.8 for three years and then a million for another year. So basically, just like they just stretch it out to make it not like suddenly, suddenly your team is just like burdened with like, 
yeah, like a, a third wow. of the, your cap hit. Uh, so they just stretch it out. So that's the new That's scenario. crazy. It still sucks. Can you imagine still... that? Can you imagine having twenty five million because some guy just wanted to retire? Well, we could we could move on and talk about how the Wild are going to have fourteen million for two years. Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah, I can't believe they bought those out. <laughs> okay, uh, that was insane. Seen, if you haven't seen the news, it broke. Was it yesterday morning? Uh, yeah. The Wild bought out Ryan Suter and Zach Parise's last four years of their contract. So for the next eight years, they're going to have cap hits related to those players on their cap hit. Uh, it's a it's a messy situation. I think it's a mix. Should I just go on about it, Chris? Yeah, Chris? yeah. Break well, it down. Yeah, yeah. Give us give us like the Coles notes. Yeah. What do you got? Okay. So it's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things factored in. It, one probably most prominently is expansion. This now. Uh, Suter had a no move clause, and so does Broden and Spurgeon. So that's your three defensemen, and Matt Dumba was most likely going to get exposed. They could have traded Dumba, but also Dumba's very good, and I think he's an important role member of this team. Uh, so they really wanted to keep him, and it was reported that Garen really wants to keep him. So that's a reason why they bought out Suter. Um, this gives them $10.3 million in cap space this season so it it makes it a lot easier it kind of kicks the can down the road to worry about cap stuff because now they can sign fiala and kaprasov to kind of substantial more substantial deals and i know garen said during his press conference that like this doesn't mean players are getting more money but it does give them more wiggle room for this season so it kind of does mean that uh so that's a big reason of like they were able to actually like, literally like tomor- sign these tomorrow's guys. problem. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going to sign Kaprasov and Fiala to like significant deals, like maybe like 6.5 and then like 9.5 for Kaprasov. Uh, so that's like a lot of money and then kind of worry about cap stuff in the future years. Um, yeah. And, and then like it also, I think it was a behind the scenes thing. I don't think Suter and Prize gelled with the new regime really well because they've been there for nine years now. So they've kind of seen like ownership. They've seen literally ownership change, like, Oh, not ownership. change. That that was Craig Leopold before too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. They've seen like a a lot of GMs come through um, like three primarily. And then just like the whole front office has kind of shifted. So I think they just didn't gel and it might be a more like kind of a similar thing to, I know this is baseball, and I know I'm the guy that just fucking compares everything to other sports. But when the Blue Jays bought out Troy Tulowitzki, yeah, they just re- released him and paid him twenty million dollars. And I know it's not a salary cap league, so it's kind of just less hurting. But they still have a budget, and still took away from them giving that money to free agents. But uh, right, I think it was just a thing of like we're handing the reins over to a new core of like leadership. So it'll be Joel Eriksonek. Dumba, Spurgeon, Brodeen, yeah. Marcus Felino, and Suter and Parise were kind of the old guard and not, and probably NWO, baby. NWO. Yeah. Suter <laughs> yeah. will, will come back after the contract, be like Hulk on NWO. Um, wow. <laughs> with the, uh, it, which, which theme music? That one? Yeah. Obviously. 
great. Uh, no, but yeah, I think it just it's tricky because it gives them like it's it's hard to see that cast base, and I do think like I think it also relates to your kind of thing with the group thing, Chris. Is that like so many like cap space and worrying about the cap and figuring out that puzzle of a of a team's cap space is like crack to hockey Twitter. Like it's literally mm-hmm. like the thing that they love to do so much. So when they see like the wild are going to be wrapped up in like, yeah, what is it officially? I think it's 12 something. So it's year one is like, basically they get 10 million, but then like year two, they get hit with a $12 million cap hit together. Then year three and four, yeah. it's 14. And then yeah, it's because it's of how the contracts are loaded. Yeah. And then year four to eight, it's like 1.7. So it's like nothing. So when, right. I fir- when I first read it, then I went back to your article, uh, Thomas. I read it. Wow. wow. I, I do read Hockey Wilderness from time to time, you guys. I don't <laughs> always have the time. Thank you. But, I um, appreciate that. But uh, no, I, I, at first I was groupthink because I was like, holy fuck, this team is going to be paying out the ass for these two. Like, because again, these two guys, like I was just talking about, um, like the archaic 13 year contract like yeah oh. hey can you hear me okay yeah, yeah. It was these stupid headphones <laughs> we thought that uh ryan Suter may have smite you <laughs> yeah yeah uh maybe he fucking loves the but army too they're true. they're both at the end of these these like 13 year like stone age contracts right and so I, at first, I was the group think. I was like, "Holy shit, that's a lot of money for a team that, like, they're, like, they're, they're like the, they're kind of like the Panthers, like where they're, like, they're missing out on on door revenue to begin with, and they're kind of caught between two, like, West and East, forgetting, um, like the screen time. Like, I had to fight to watch Minnesota games this year, um, and so we're a team like that's kind of fighting for revenue." <laughs> on top of cap space. So like, they're going to be fucked. But then I started like looking between the lines and actually went back and like, and watched a few of the playoff games and a few of the games, um, like towards the end of the season. And it's, uh, it's, uh, definitely like their team that fosters, um, like their youth core, right? Like they, like they definitely love how like their younger players play and, um, they're an exciting and, unpredictable team because these guys are they're basically given the reins to be like creative and allowed to do whatever they want with the puck right like it's kind of, it's it really is like a a player's team which is cool to watch you don't see that too often uh, yeah in nhl today yeah. and so and that's why i i i really liked watching them um at the end of the season once you guys started kind of kind of talking about them more and um being more vocal like on the podcast and stuff like that i started to like, get more invested and they're really like uh they're 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 a young youthful team so i was like yeah this is a move that that legitimizes and sets in stone like we're we're a team that like fosters speed and creativity and like a like a player driven organization i thought that was pretty cool yeah so i yeah it allows me to get out of the group think and which I'm not. I'm normally like on the on the player side where I'm like, oh yeah, it's all for intangibles. But at first I was like, holy mm-hmm. fuck, it's a contract thing, 
and I got all scared. Nothing. Yeah. Happened, right. Well, and like the thing for me is, and like understand that when I say this, my intention is not to say it coming from a place of like malice or like gatekeeping or any of that nonsense. But like sometimes yeah. you just you, you have to um, you have to say it, and I and I hate to say it this way, but sometimes I just don't think people actually watch the hockey, right? Like, yeah. And I and I know how fucking ignorant that sounds. Trust me, I understand that. But like, you know, I get that there is a a very vocal part of hockey Twitter that likes that likes the cut like the the interaction, the experience driven by you know, speaking to, to fans that are, are like you. And there's, you know, some like-mindedness that sometimes leads to this like group think that we keep talking about. It's kind of the buzzword. No, I'm, I, pod, I, guarantee you 90, I guarantee you 90% of Twitter looks at a score, like looks at the score sheet at the end of the game and then reads a few headlines, not even in depth as to what's written. And yeah. it goes off on a tangent. Like there's no a, way, there's no way that somebody could watch the hockey and argue otherwise for 90% of what these people are talking about. Like well, the wild point yes. in case, right? Like it, but it's, it's, it's also, you know, and, and again, take this with a grain of salt, but it's like you, people obviously are, are fans and some people work in media and some people work in hockey ops or scouting or, you know, these different types of things uh, on that, you know, Twitter platform, et cetera. Right. But like, the other thing is, is I don't have any expectation that most of these people sit there in front of their computer or in front of their TV and watch Minnesota every night if they live, you know, off of Spadina and they're, you know, they're, they're going to grab their, uh, you know, their, their Slurpee at 7-Eleven and then just, you know, sit in tight. No, I, I, ju- I just stay, either like stay up till 1130 or even later to watch a game. And so, no, I know. At that point, no, I, I just I watch mean, it the next day. No, I don't mean you. I just mean in general, right? Like, so, no, no, so but I mean, this, like, if it was inconvenient or I was too tired, I just wouldn't watch it. And that was 90% no, of the time. No, for sure. What, what I'm getting at is that you get people that want to be involved in the conversation, but they don't really know the story, right? And I think yeah, that's yeah. fine. Like, if, if that's how people want to do it, it's fine. But at the same time, like, you know, there, there are a lot of like, listen, the whole reason I'm bringing this up is because we've got people in our, in our hockey wilderness uh, thing that Thomas and I wrote over the last couple of days here oh, about no. this mock draft that we're doing. <laughs> and I love the people who read the blog, right? Like, I think there's, I there's often yeah. great no, conversation. <laughs> Thomas doesn't feel that way. Uh, I'm a company man, so in like the SB Nation line, but the, my, my Thomas. issue is, is we've got these people in our in our mentions and in our and in our uh, our comments here um, who are like, why why would they ever want Aturati? He can't skate very well. He can't do this. He can't do that. And then I go, well, first of all, it's R two raw two, bro. First and foremost, you're saying it wrong, idiot. And the second thing is, is that. You know, if you if you watched and you took the time to have an educated opinion on something rather than just retweeting whatever, you know, wild fan 420 is is putting on Twitter, then you might be able to, like, form your own opinion. I have no problem with people having different opinions and having a conversation about it. But like, 
let's let's have that conversation and not some fucking Twitter egg, not really, you know, wanting to to have these opinions, but not really be able to back them up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. Like they read an article about his like lack of foot speed and then like they don't watch him play. Like it's clear to see if a player needs development. Like, yeah, he doesn't have foot speed now or he doesn't have the strength now, or he doesn't have like the, the reaction or response time now, but like what, look what happens when you send players down and call them back up. You know what I mean? Like people forget like Nylander was up and down with the Marlies for two years. And look at Nylander now, yeah. right? Like he's like it. All he needed was strength and development, and he needed to get used to a North American like faster style yeah, of play, was, right? He was fucking small when they dropped. Him. Yeah, yeah. And like and, and, and a toothpick. And like Cole Caulfield, thinking he's this, everyone thinking he's the savior of Montreal. Like he needs a year or two in Laval. Like he's a small guy, and he's like shit like that. People just like I don't know that 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 pisses me off when people don't act. I think he. I yeah. think he. You saw him crumble under the lightning. He was, he was, he was a shadow in, uh, like on Tampa ice. So it was. I think he needs to. Yeah. He needs some development, just like Kakinyemi did, and like Kakinyemi yeah. played a year in the Valley. He had a good attitude. He had a great season, and yeah, he got benched for some space to let some other see what else worked for the end of it. But like stuff like that, like they, but that happens all up and down. Like think of like. Think of Syracuse and the crunch and like the type of like yeah. prospects that they like, or like Rochester down with the Americans or, or the Chicago wolves, like the, the quality of players, Hershey that those Bears. Teams, the Hershey bears, exactly. Yeah. Like the quality of players that these teams and organizations turn out, people will read a headline like, Oh, he's slow afoot. Okay. Yeah. He can't skate. Like people say Mark Stone's slow afoot, but he's like the yeah, captain. He, skates fucking, he has fucking terrible skating. But yeah, like but the thing, yeah. No, he he. Skating but he's like one of the best wingers of that NHL. But but well, that's but he's it, also old. Right? Like he. But it, like yeah. I think I think so. I think people just need to realize everything is not so black and white. It, like, no, really absolutely not. not. I think that's why it's like it's this snowball effect of like hot takes where like. People saw the Keith trade or the Suter Parise bias were like, whoa, that's a, a surprise. And then they're just like, it's bad. Like, it, they're bad. You could say that they're bad. Like, they're on a scale of, like, good and bad, and it's in the middle, and it's, like, slightly bad. Like, you could say it's more in the bad side than the good side comparatively yeah. to, like, everything. Like, there are, of course, right. positives in both, but they're still, right. like, it's still bad but, but you could take positives he, from it you could just be positive about it you could yes. say Duncan and, Keith is gonna bring this leadership bring this new attitude it's more fun to watch Duncan Keith than Caleb Jones Duncan yeah. Keith has sick ass hair just be chill yeah. with that he does. be happy with yeah, that yeah so like he's gonna Tim teach he, McDavid how to lead he's gonna, he's gonna look sick in those Oilers jerseys yeah. with the fucking royal uh, blue oh yes of course he will <laughs> but see here's the thing and, and Carter you're gonna die because Remember one time you let me run a, a power play uh, kind of um, like, like I, I guess you could call it a drill at practice. One of those years where it was like, okay, we're going to go through power play, but you can't shoot the puck for a scoring chance until you've passed the puck three times on the power play. Do you remember yeah. when we did that? It's yeah. very similar. If you want to have a fucking take on Twitter, you have to run that take through three other people. So you can have a constructive conversation about what it is 
and and what it isn't and understand other people's perspectives before you post it on Twitter and make yourself look like a fucking idiot. That's yeah, you'll, that's find, my out, opinion. you'll find out you're wrong. Because there's like no, you'll find out you're well, wrong. There's no, but right or wrong, the issue is, is that there's there's not any like civil discourse, right? Like there's not like, yeah. you know what, Thomas? I, I you know, there is one comment that really what fucking the fuck are you gonna say? this morning no, that said, it said, I wish we had Carson Lambos instead of Artu Ratu. Oh and I'm just God. like, oh, you're going to be really that. disappointed when you see Carson Lambos play. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's the thing. People don't fucking thing. like, people just looked at rankings and then know Ratu as like someone that's like, not developed like even the most scout so i know like people i trust like people on online scouting services sometimes more than like uh like craig button who probably doesn't have a ton of time to watch these dudes and like even elite prospects still had him at number 20 so it might have been a reach in our stupid little silly mock draft which didn't even matter but it's just fun it's just fun I really wanted Stan Coven, but I was like, people are going to rate me all the calls. Like if I took state Coven at like 13, like, yeah, but shit happens. So, that, that's the, that's the reason for the draft stuff. Shit happens and players go up and down and there's right. intangibles to the draft just as our intangibles to players. Right. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. Okay. Let me, let me give you guys an example that I, that I think like we'll all be able to laugh at. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the player because that's not what this podcast is for. I was watching video for for somebody that I'm interested in, scouting-wise, and the goalie is five foot nine, and they are 154 pounds at 18 same, years old. Same, okay, same. Yes. Yeah, okay. This goalie. The same, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. This this goalie. Had a had a 920 save percentage last year, and stat wow. line as a backup goalie was 11 two and zero. Oh, okay, goals against wow. average was like two and a half or something. Can't remember. It doesn't matter. Is it a good Anyways, defensive team? That, that well, we don't need. I don't want to get too much in, more into <laughs> okay. it other than that. Okay, but but the thing is, is that if you look at that and your first reaction is. He's five nine. He's too small. You're an idiot. You're you're an idiot. Like you're yeah. you're you're dumb. Like that's like, it, you know, we're also talking about someone who's small, and we're talking about someone who's only eighteen years old, and people yeah. can have growth spurts a little bit later into their in, into their life. I'm not suggesting that this guy becomes a six four. 220 pound goalie that might not happen you know it probably yeah. won't happen like but like i like like when i was 18 still. i was like two inches and now i'm three <laughs> yeah yeah exactly your fourth kid grow a whole inch a shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i pulled but it out know, i had one of those crank things but but, but do you, that, you, you get what exactly. i mean right Sorry. yeah and people understand hockey happens in the weeds so like they've never been to a game and they've never looked up in the fucking in the in the Zamboni tunnel, like up in the corner where they pack all the scouts, where they get their media tickets, and they see these guys that are going from small town arena to small town arena to small town arena just to like uncover every stone, right? Like people don't understand like that's where hockey happens, you know, and that's where the business of well, hockey happens. Think, like, I, yeah, I, I, sorry, 
the other the other thing and i and i said this in the post and, and now that we're like bitching about it i want everybody to read it on hockeywilderness.com but like your opinion on a player is allowed to change if people yeah. in the scouting community or just people in general who watch hockey based all of their opinions on a one-time viewing of a player which ironically that's how i feel like a lot of these people evaluate talent you'd be really disappointed you'd never be right very 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 few times are you right about somebody in the first showing right i feel like we're kind of in the weeds i'm sorry thomas go ahead that's okay it's it's just i think I don't want to like sound like we're standing on our high horse and like gatekeeping with like people don't watch the game kind of thing, but it's also like, it just comes with like the tools of like, just take a second and take like a day and sit a day on like an opinion of a dude. Like, I think, I think it might just be like taking your high horse. So like, sometimes it is if like, if saying, if it's saying like, you don't watch the games kind of thing. It, like it sometimes it's like so gla- no, sometimes it's just so glaringly obvious though. Like it's like yeah. you you read something and you're like, okay, no person so, who could have ever watched that TV last night could have ever said this. Like that's yeah. some of us. I think that's so, what we're talking about. We're not talking like I'm not talking about like just hot takes or like random yeah. things. I'm talking about like these outlandish things that people like these hills people die on. So I had uh, like a classic uh, like tweet thread and then delete it like 10 minutes later um, just to get my thoughts and opinions out there because I wanted it. You've there. never was, done that. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I, I was talking about like people just tweeting out graphs and being like, yeah, this is a good player. I wish my team would sign him. But it's like, <laughs> Tom, it's man. like, what? What do you want? Um, <laughs> that thing. This is a great topic. I love it. So like, I was mainly talking. Okay, no, I shouldn't talk. <laughs> I was just gonna shit. No, but it. you're uh, right though. No, but you're like right, it, it does happen a lot. Where it's just like, one, I feel like you need multiple like different people's models, and not just one RAPM graph from. And I love the evolving wild twins, um, but like you don't just need that one play driving stat. Uh, <laughs> like you don't just mm-hmm. use Micah's like hockey viz isolated impacts because. That like that does sum up the players draw like play driving and like their ability to get shots off, but it's also like it's just one <laughs> little piece in the puzzle. So I feel like you right. should just take like multiple things and also like take into consideration of like what they're saying about the player because they are the ones that created the graph and know exactly what it means. Like if a player has like a plus seven isolated offense or whatever. Like, does that mean it's a very good? Or is that a first-line player? Is, like, a third-line player average? Like, it's very, like, hit or miss with that. Like, you should need to take years and learn about this shit before. Yeah. But, um, yeah. like, yeah. like case, case in point with, like, Rassi. So, like, so I'm reading – we already talked about elite prospects and stuff, but they – luckily, they, like – they tracked Ratchy's games. So in seven games of his under 20 in the Liga, he has probably the strongest transitional game in the entire league of, of all forwards. So he's able, he's like well beyond like everything, just like controlled entries. Like he's a monster when it comes to like taking the puck into the zone. He like prevents, he prevents entries on the other end that he can. Like, it's just like, that's a part of his game that, 
people value highly, but it doesn't come across in points, obviously. But like even some people were to see that he scored like he scored six points in 35 league games. Yeah, he's 18. Like, I don't know. I think he's worth yeah. a first round pick, like a late first, whatever. So yeah. Yeah. Let's see you, Thomas, talking about the intangibles. I love this. Oh my god, he's come full circle, eh? I, I need to I, I think my I've been so wrapped up in the so basically my entire like sporting interest for the last like however long I've been writing or talking about hockey is like it's I grab to the graphs and then now I'm just like yeah. using them when they're like applicable. Like I still like I feel like I'm confident enough to know what they mean. I'm confident enough yeah. to like to use them as a tool and to say this player controls yeah. like controls play really well because he has a 55 expected on ice like goals four percentage but that's that only matters if it's like over a large sample size and like and usable yeah. and like added context with that stuff and if you play with a player that like is an elite player like so i know i'm going to another tangent but micah put out ryan Suter's isolated thing and basically he said i discovered that he was getting carried by jared spurgeon for the last like three years like Spurgeon was basically like the defensive monster and making Suter look good. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 tricky. I feel like everything just needs a gray area, and I just need to sit in in like yeah. opinions and not rush into like this is this is growth, Thomas. I, I was just talking I know, to Chris. I, I was talking about like how like the three of us have such a good dynamic because like Thomas, you're so hard numbers. And I'm so hard, like game. And Chris is like right in the middle. Now we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out where we all fit now because yeah, that's it. We gotta get a new bit. We're agreeing yeah, too much. Thomas, you're, you're you're glass your glass is half full type of guy now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think it just shows that that you know your your viewpoints, um, and your kind of perspective on things they're going to change with experience, right? Like I, I used to get really frustrated when people didn't take into consideration the more kind of analytical side of things. Right. But like by the same token, part of the problem that makes it so hard for people to understand and digest is because, you know, not everyone is going to sit there and read about Corsi. Not everyone's going to sit there and read about Fenwick. You know, people are interested in in some of the graphics because they tell a little bit of a different story for visual people who want to understand like quality of the shot or quality of scoring chance or any of these different things, right? But they also tell a greater story, right? And I think that a lot of that can be summed up by having somebody explain it and making it digestible makes it so that everybody can kind of get in on this being a tool or an asset that somebody can use when watching hockey as a fan or watching yeah it allows you to well even like to digest the game more effectively right like it it allows you to be a student of the game so i've gone sorry well i was just gonna say like in my in my articles i make sure to never even like say coursey like i make it (laughs) that it's shot attempts so it's like it's and like and I don't just automatically put like XGF per 60, like slash 60. Cause if someone, if someone like doesn't really want to like learn about stats or whatever, like they see them like, and just throw it out the window. But if I like write out expected goals for 
or like yeah. and then i like put an explainer after be like then this means that they really control the quality and like and show a map and be like these are the shot attempts while he was on the ice like the opposing shot yeah. attempts so like you see what honestly that's what him. that's what got but like that's what got me understanding stats like i didn't give a fuck about them until i started seeing it in that context well you just need like, to like put it in it made sense to me yeah you put in you need to put it in english so like so if you just say like this player has a good Corsi four percentage, be like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? But if you say while this player's on the ice, his team always attempts way more shots than the opposition, so they're usually in control of the puck more. Like yeah, yeah, done. And there's no like just, there's no code. It's a very old. For, yeah, no, for sure. I I completely agree. There's no one in hockey that doesn't want to have a conversation about how they can have their team possess the puck more. <laughs> like that's yeah. not going to oh, happen. Absolutely. You just got to make it easy to, to understand. But anyways, I know we got, we went off on a little bit of a, of a tangent here, but I think it's an, it's an important conversation, right? I think it there's, there's a lot of value in, you know, just, just taking a little bit of a breather and, and forming your own opinion. Right. Um, my opinion's not always right. Thomas's opinions, you know, not always right. Carter's opinions, not always right. We're probably wrong about things more than we are right yeah. about things. But I think that the biggest thing, uh, and, and this will just kind of be my last piece on it, unless you guys have something you want to add, is I'm learning that it's so tremendously important. And, and I got this advice early on um, in my, you know, scouting and coaching uh, bits in hockey here is you need to be able to understand what your biases are. And I think that when you, when you start to look at things from that perspective and go, Oh, you know what? I'm biased about size or I'm biased about skating or, you know, I'm biased about shot selection. I want to see a player that, you know, can fire clap bombs and has a good wrist shot. You know what I mean? Like whatever your bias is, understand it, own it and have that be a part of what your evaluation looks like, right? Because yeah. what I see with my bias and what you see without that particular bias can be two very different things. And at the end of the day, being able to look back and have a conversation about a player, about a team, about a trade, about a buyout, whatever the situation is, I just think it helps propel the conversation forward when when you can kind of own your shit a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it just, it like, and I, it all comes down to being a student of the game. Like, and it's, and I, it might be like a bit wishy-washy, but I, I'm always like, my like whole thing is like, always be a student of life, right? Like if you think you've have it, have it figured out, you're farther behind than everybody else because you're not learning, right. Or you're not hungry. And when I stepped into coaching, it was like a big, mental shift for me because I thought I went into a role knowing more about the game than the people that I had that were playing on my team and working with me and I thought I I knew it all right and it took things like like Chris told me to set up the power play behind the net never do that like that was I played old hockey we never <laughs> took the puck behind the net right <laughs> we're talking about successful Thank you, Ryan successful Simpson. Yeah. yeah, I've been talking feel, about yeah, like it's, it's, successful yeah. entries. Like, I came from a dump and chase era, right? And, like, every like every night, there's, like, if you have to think about it. If there's an evolution in the game, whether it be equipment or rules or, um, 
like breaking metrics or anything like that. Every time there's a shift or a growth in something, that means the game's evolving. And that means there's someone who's behind that learning curve because they haven't caught up with that change in the game yet. Like if you pick up skates, like my skates now are, they're, they're top of the line skates like seven years ago, I guess, or six years ago. And you change it, you compare it to top of the line skates 10 years ago and the top of the line skates now, they're, they're so wildly different. These players can do so much more with those skates over those years, right? So what that means is that this game is favoring like a higher speed, higher skilled on their edges type player. So that game is going to change from a big guy's game to a little guy's game. And those people that are below that learning curve aren't really being a student of the game if they're stuck in that old world, right? So I always try and think of these little things. I know it helped my hockey fandom once I stopped playing the game is like is every time there's a shift in a metric or in a tangible or even an intangible if I don't try and at least like inform myself of that curve I'm behind it and I'll never catch up to it you know and so I, I think it's always just being a student of the game and that makes it so much more enjoyable and like it it makes me love it so much more because I'm so invested in it so much more than just like rooting for a shirt like I'm like everything about it just like consumes me like and this is coming from somebody who didn't watch it or touch skates for years after they played because they hated the game you know and so it's I, I don't know I think it's being a student of things another another perspective Carter and I think the three of us are are all on the same page on this is like imagine the energy that would you know that, that you could bring to a conversation or a way that you could kind of share your passion by helping people understand your perspective. And like I said a moment ago, propelling the conversation forward. Think about the power that that has over just being a dick on the internet. You know what I mean? Oh, that's what I mean. Inv inviting somebody in rather than closing the door on them. Like yeah, you got more bees exactly. with honey than with vinegar, right? Like it's- A thousand percent. I, yeah, yeah, and that's where I don't think it's, I, I get what you're saying, Thomas, about it could sometimes being perceived as gatekeeping, but I, I hope that people who have that perspective are more likely the ones that want to sit and have a beer and have a conversation about how people view it and that are actually learning something, being the teacher and the person that's, you know, kind of in the student's chair as well, right? And oh, I, think we're I love hearing I'm wrong because, it. yeah, I love hearing I'm wrong about hockey shit because I am most of the time. Like, other than fucking Yanni Gord, and I hate it. Like, I wish I never said Yanni Gord was the future, because I hate him. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, other than that, that, like, I don't think I've... Well, other than that, I don't think I've ever been right about anything. <laughs> so, like, like I, I love, like, like eating crow and, like, learning about things. Because all it does is, like, help, help me get more invested in it, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think... Thomas, so, do you have I'm a last thought? I'm going to add one last thought and it's kind of, it's kind of related, but not really. I think it's more from a fandom point of view and kind of arguments you have with other players and about players and stuff. Um, so I tweeted it not too long ago. And I know like everything that I say says that I tweeted about it not too long ago, but like um, I've been getting back into, I took like a lot of years off after like a really peaked interest into skateboarding and like not me doing it obviously. Cause I'm like broken, but uh just like You're watching hot, skate videos and just like having fun like that and stuff and 
listen to skate podcasts and stuff. But uh, so like, I think just like everyone should just take a step back and feel like we should look at our players and our favorite players and our favorite teams more like kind of people look at skaters and skateboarding sometimes. Like you don't really have say that this player, this skater is better than this skater. You don't say that this person is better than this person at like, you say you basically just be positive and be like, this person's really good at this thing. And like this other person is really good at this yeah. other thing. Like it's more so like just being like, I really like how this, how this, hockey player skates like i love this game yeah. i love watching his like, skating other than like mullen mullen was flat mullen was flat ground cream campbell was street and tony hawk was or bucky lastic was the vert right hey to put it in pro go. skater terms there you go uh yeah but just like everyone just like have your favorites and not be like so hung up on like who's better than this player like i would rather have this player for this cap or whatever i feel like people just take like a step back and just like enjoy watching some games and i feel like that this is more of an off-season conversation especially like this is our pre pre-expansion draft i guess episode but uh yeah like it's just like it's a very i don't know it's a it's a conversation i've had like with myself that i should just be like more positive about players and not like shit on teams and shit on players more i think it's just will be easier just to do that we're having a real breakthrough with you tonight, no. Thomas. I felt like I felt like this for like a while about just are, like. Are, are we gonna have, to Are we gonna have to stop calling you T Dog now? No, I'm fine. I'll always be. I'll always be that. Um, <laughs> He's a new now man. Now you're Thomas. Now, now you're Thomas Dog. Yes. Yeah. I'm grow- I I wear a monocle and shit. <laughs> oh my I just, god! I've been having I a lot of deep that. thoughts about how I watch the sport, especially this, especially when like we're all stuck inside. No? I think people should have that every season at the beginning of the season. Like, like what do you enjoy like, out of this? <laughs> from a player perspective, you used to think that going into every season, like, okay, I'm going to make myself indefensible this season. Like, especially if you're on the block or you haven't been picked up yet, you're like, okay, like, what am I going to do to be above the rest or just be different? Or like, how am I going to digest this season? Right. And so from, I don't think it should be any different than a, like from a fan or from a spectator or from an industry worker or anything like that. Like I think everyone should approach like, like a, a break and play with the same mentality, right? Like how can, what am I going to do this year? Not even what can I do better or worse, just what am I going to do this year? And it allows you to be introspective and evaluate, like put all your cards on the table, right? I like it. Yo, Carter, it sounds like uh, we're taking you away from the party. So let's, uh, let's shut her down. Um, Sorry, boys. This, this was, this was a, this was a, a big one for me tonight. Touching all the things I'm passionate about. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm, what the fuck I'm, I'm not a Duncan Keith. I normally don't skate 28 minutes an episode. I like this. Can you hear this? Is this? This is like the I don't like the this. end of a rom com where we all date, <laughs> or we we all get with each other. We all understand each other. Yeah. <laughs> wow. This is so. Yeah. Wow. Love Kelly yes. Clarkson. Let's get it. Okay, it's too loud. I can't talk. Fuck. <laughs> 
He's oh, he's great. back to T Dog. He's back to T Dog. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> okay. All right, boys. Sometimes you just need to sit back and relax. You know, not a lot's <laughs> changed for the boys. I I, I all right. Sorry. I think Thomas's chain came in the mail. <laughs> It hasn't come yet. Oh, I thought with that outro, your chain definitely came in the mail. No, it's okay. Oh my god! I'm gonna be doing I that during wait. the podcast tomorrow because I discovered I could share sounds. Good. <laughs> That's bad news for us. Um. Okay. Well, do you guys have anything you want to add before shutting her down? No. Thanks for listening to me rant today, boys. No, it was good. Have fun. Be safe. Hey, remember what they say. Beer on the pier, bud. Yeah. Is it uh, beer on the pier, beer on the water? Is that what? Oh, no. No. No, I don't know. No, I'm not no. Sure. It's, beer on it's the not pier? beer twice. It's, it's not beer it twice. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. I'll, 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 I'll Google it before I turn this sucker over. She's, she's put to bed for the night, though. I like it. I like it. Uh, Thomas, are you writing anything exciting in the next week or so that you want to preview or what? No. I'm writing news and draft stuff. Nothing Love too heady. Nothing too big. We're going to do another episode before the uh, expansion draft next week. So look forward for that. Someone's and, yelling at um, <laughs> Yeah, someone's yelling at Nike, I think. Is that Kennedy? Yeah. Who is that? No, that's my dad. Nike it. got off his leash. Nike can't get off his leash. He's a disaster off of it it's up a, at the cottage. It's a problem. It's a big problem. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk soon, guys. You can listen to Hosers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you find podcasts. And, uh, you know, rate and review the thing. Follow us on Twitter at Takeoff Hosers. That's it. Subscribe. That's, it. that's all. Uh, thumbs up. You know. <laughs> Craig yelling to find the dog while like uh, Black Eyed Peas <laughs> playing is a real mood. Yeah, basically what it's like up here. I love it. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Love you, bye. Love you, boys. Love you, see ya. I am lifted. I am lifted. When I'm up, I can't get down. Can't get down. Can't get level. When I'm up, I can't get down. Get my feet back on the ground